0: Dr. Danika Tynes, empowering communities through sustainable access. In this insightful interview, we sit down with her and she is the founder of Sustainable Access Foundation. With a career spanning over 20 years in digital enablement and transformation in healthcare and public health, Dr. Tynes has dedicated herself to promoting access as a fundamental driver for positive change. From her early experiences to her current focus on telehealth diffusion and adoption, Dr. Tyne shares her journey of transforming access into empowerment. Join us as we explore how she is helping communities worldwide realize their objectives sustainably and inspiring innovation and agency along the way. Don't miss this opportunity to gain valuable insights into conscious innovation and creating a better future for all. Welcome to the Wellness-Driven Life Show where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride.
1: to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to StoicismPod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.
0: I am very pleased to introduce our guest to you today. Dr. Danica Tynes is a stri- strategic, excuse me, strategic advisor and health systems professional with over 20 years of experience. She is dedicated to creating equity and access to healthcare for vulnerable populations. Dr. Tynes has implemented various healthcare solutions and is actively involved in policy and research to close the digital divide. She practices mindfulness and holds advanced degrees in international development and industrial slash organizational psychology. Her work is making a lasting impact on improving healthcare for all. This is a very exciting interview. Please help me welcome Dr. Danika.
2: Hi, April. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Am I getting your last name right? Yes, Dr. Danica Times, you got it. Perfect. I love that. Well, it is truly an honor to have you. Now, we had Derek Kayongo on the show, and he referred you to be on the show. So I am so thrilled. He's been such a blessing in our lives, and we now call friends. So It is truly an honor. Now, can you tell us and the audience just a little bit more about you? I mean, you have this incredible background, this incredible knowledge and wisdom and all of the things that you've done. Let's get a little more insight on that.
2: Yeah. So when I look back over my journey, uh, there's a common thread and it's always been about access. It might be my own access, which is Oftentimes, what triggers our, fuels our passion, right, is mm-hmm. um, our own pain, right? I've, you've heard pain into purpose, but I understand that my journey has. I know blossomed, I think, as a result of the access points that I have had, and I can count them, you know, on in, in two hands. And I remember them, they're so poignant. And what I mean by access is like, it's just this door that opens, where there's this before this and after this, this demarcating moment in your life, where you know, that if this door will just open, then you'll be able to step a little bit more purposefully into your intention. And yeah. so- Funny you should mention Derek, uh, because um, what an extraordinary spirit in this world, and after having launched Sustainable Access Foundation at the beginning of this year, it was my alma mater, Tufts, um, where I went as an undergrad, uh, that that put us together, and Derek was there at the Fletcher School, Uh, but they said, you know, you guys really, really need to meet. And so we've been at, we've been steadfast friends ever since, I think, because we align in terms of our systemic thinking around movement and how we can create real change and not just here, not just there, but everywhere. So we're big dreamers together. So we're we're a little naughty
0: together. (laughs) I love that. Derek is such a an easy human being to get along with. He's so joyful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember on the show when he was being interviewed, I, he, he mentioned that the change isn't about putting more money into Africa or into the places of the world that we keep pumping money into, but the change starts from within. And I I know this, but it was such a a beautiful and profound thing to hear from him.
3: Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast it's a series of lives being saved
2: yeah um we're we're very aligned i think in in that vision um and what i've found since working in uganda this year is that there's very little movement you can make without addressing your inner self. Right. Um, and I want to say a little bit more about that. Um, so I've invested in four projects. So what Sustainable Access Foundation does is we invest in emerging economies in um, in o- young entrepreneurs who are launching a new idea who just don't have access. Mm-hmm. And so, And that can be any range of things that aligns with Uh, some of the sustainable development goals. Um, And in that spirit, we've made so much progress and made so many leaps in such a short period of time just by coming together as a community, really planning and working together. And at the same time, we come back to um, that those who are helping in the community, their hearts hurt because of those that they're helping, right? And so we're starting conversations about refueling um, as leaders, as change makers in the world, Mm -hmm. is how do you refuel? And um, we're also having conversations about mindfulness before we start any new project, uh, because um, when we're laying the foundation for creating something greater, for the community, for ourselves, uh, we want to start off on a good vibration, right? And so, uh, and so that's becoming part of the model, which is that change within, so as without. And um, and so, it's actually a new way. With my tech background and my psychology background, and being at, you know in uh, Silicon Valley and um, that sort of corporate thing. Um, It was one of the first things I noticed, which was really striking, is just how moving forward projects in emerging economies, working with young entrepreneurs who are like ready for their access, uh, who have all the tools and capability, but also need that like, you know, inner wisdom and Mm interconnection to take them through their challenges. Yeah.
0: Tanika, that is so vital, I believe, And so thank you so much for paying attention to that, knowing about that you're a very well-rounded person, well-educated. And so understanding that that is the best way to move forward with, with that beginning on being really well-grounded, because when we start going into things and that are very difficult, we are emotional beings and it's not easy, you know, it's, it's, easy to either fall into that or to be just kind of fall apart because you're, you're surrounded by that. And so being able to really doing like a daily practice and it, and it would absolutely have to be daily, if not more to, to try to get to that mindfulness aspect or go into a meditation to bring yourself back to where you need to be. Yeah, you know a model
2: that I really honor tremendously and um, I intend to make a visit soon to Rwanda uh, to learn more about this. But post genocide, the amount of healing that took mm-hmm. place was truly substantial. And the, um, the psychologists that were sent in to help were swiftly sent out of the country. When the question came, um, why? Uh, the answer was, that's not how we heal. We heal through our bodies. We heal together. Uh, you know, we're not one-on-one kind of psychology kind of folks. It's getting into the body. It's singing. It's dancing. It's crying. It's shouting. It's communing. And, um, and I think meditation and being in silence is one tool. It's a tool I use all of the time. Um, however, I also... Honor that when we're talking about trauma, um, meditation can be a very masculine thing and um, masculine, not as engendered, but masculine energy. Um, and so, sitting in silence and transcending and not feeling um, that's a masculine thing. And um, I think we're all waking up to meditation, or more and more we are. But I do want to give people permission to who think oh meditation isn't for me there's other ways to meditate and one of those mm-hmm. is music through body through connecting and it also allows to like get things out of your body
4: mm-hmm. and
2: so when we're working together in community um we get to dance and so I really love that contrast um And it's very healing. And it's, um, and it can be very soothing. But I think, yeah, coming from all different perspectives and making it part of your life, not a, not a practice that's separate from your day. um, That's almost a little, um, gosh, it's almost a little bountiful, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. uh, When you're working with community every day, you don't have time to necessarily sit 20 minutes, but how can you, how can you incorporate it into your day so you're still whole? And so we're working through more programs like that now.
0: Mm -hmm. I would love to know. And by the way, you're speaking my love language. I think we should all dance. <laughs> Always. My husband and I love to go out and dance. And it's because you feel that energy and that vibration, and it's so much more powerful because it's not just you, it's others, it's the people surrounding you. So that's incredible. I love that you bring that up. It's a hundred percent. And how do how does that look when you go out into communities. And you said that, um, Uganda and all of those places that have really had that trauma, the deep, deep rooted trauma, what is it like? How have they come out of that? What does the daily look like to be able to heal through movement together?
2: Yeah. So, um, I think probably the most known, um, um, moment of this was the truth and reconciliation in South Africa. So this was um, after apartheid, and um, and so sharing your narrative is another way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so just being able to share your voice, share your pain, and have it documented on a record. Um, and then have healing circles. So once you kind of get it out through your throat, (laughs) um, then you get it out through your body. And so it's, it is very holistic. Um, and one of the ways that I've found, um, raises the vibration because if, you know, you can walk into some villages and you can feel that the vibration is very heavy uh, because there it's a subsistence culture, just survival, you know, very, yeah. very poor. Um, And then you introduce a friend of mine like Babaluku to just come in with, you know, some music and start a hip hop circle. And the next thing you know, that whole vibration raises. And then we can have a conversation. And so that's one of the projects I'm funding. Um, So Babaluku is spearheading the development of an eco-village. And one of his first things he's going to build is a community location, community gathering location on the Nile. And what the village will do is go there and they're going to plan for their future. And they're going to dance and they're going to tell stories. And so one of the the greatest values um, that I heard asks in terms of access was interestingly space. Dr. Danica, what do you need? Um, You know, you know, what, what, um, what we need rather is um, we need access to space. Mm -hmm. And I'd go, tell me more about the space thing. What is the space thing? Well, we need to be able to gather. We need to be able to do quality control. We need to be able to, um, to expand this particular side of our bu- business and so we really really take for granted space i've never thought of space being such a huge commodity but the next step up is from just from nothing is give me a little bit of space and i'll show you what i can do with it you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah
0: that's that's very very that makes sense. And I agree with you. I wouldn't have thought about that either as one of the number one uh, things that people would request as far as what they would need access to. And and I have to say, Danica, I love your choice of wording with access. When I first was looking at that, I was trying to figure out in my mind, what does she mean by access? And now you have described that, that really it's just When we have these big dreams, we need access to certain things in order to make them a reality. And so that's an incredible thing. So access to space. So we can really perform the things and do the things that we envision. Mm -hmm. Do you know any of your access
2: points? Do you remember some of them?
0: No. No, I, I mean, I would have to sit down and write that down, I -hmm. think, and really ponder on it.
2: You know, um, I had to sit down and ponder on it too, going back over my career and actually coming up with what is the thing that drives me? What is the thing that has been driving my choice of where I've gone in life? And while you're in it, you don't always know right you're just rolling with it and so I certainly my career was partly it was it wasn't intentional in my head in my consciousness it was very much um a subconscious vibration I was being called towards Mm -hmm. certain things and when I went back to reflect on it uh, I agree with you though that when I went back and said huh what are my access points I remember this so vividly now the first was um, um, We were homeless at one point in my youth in like Tahoe, and we were living in a tent.
0: And um, that's a pretty nice place to be homeless. I just gotta say, yeah,
2: we were. On the- <laughs> and now, actually, it's a thing. It's actually, you know, it's a preference to just live in a tent. And um, you know, Honey, more- isn't that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and I was like, "Wow, that that could be a choice too." So, yeah, I definitely don't look down on it, and it's not a bad story to share. But we were living in a tent, and then my mother comes one day with a camper, and um, and I was like where did you get this camper? I thought that we had just become millionaires, you know? And so being able to sleep in a bed versus being, you know, sleeping on the ground, Mm. never forget how I felt about that person who made that happen for us. And I, and then it ignited this thing in me to want to just be deserving. Right. And, um, and want to, have a bed to sleep in forever right so before it was we were not upset about it we were not unhappy we we loved camping but then when there's this thing that's more comfortable comes along we were like wow you know there's really good people out there and they don't even know us we just got here you know um another one was a full ride to tufts um and incredible I just, in like I said today, I was introduced to Derek Young-Go through Tufts, and what a great friend I have. Um, and um, the many, many relationships that I have from Tufts that continue to keep giving with love and support to this day. Um, I was just there for my 25 year anniversary. And it was just, it was really striking to go back and see what, in remember being there as a young person feeling like i had arrived that someone could see something in me that they would dare to give me this expensive education and now i'm back you know giving a talk about entrepreneurship 25 years later and also providing a uh, endowment uh, to the school i never thought that you know the the poor girl would would be that person I wanted to be, but those access points that availed themselves is what I look back or um I was made a manager for an organization um twenty four years old I was managing over a hundred people at the c d c as a subcontractor. And it's those types of doors that open that get to, that expose you to so much thereafter. And um, I'll say this though um, about access that it's not just as easy as getting someone to open a door for you. There's steps to access. And that's what I learned this year. Um, you ha- Number one is that you have to have access to a dream first, There are so many people who don't know how to dream.
0: Mm.
2: The second thing is that you have to know what your value is so that you know what to reach for. I had a mother who told me that I had value. And do you know how many people that don't have someone to tell them that? Mm. And so they don't even know to dream about something that will give them value or about their value. The other thing that we need um, to get ready is we need to be able to prime ourselves for our access. You have to be ready for access. So Mm -hmm. number one, you have to be able to access a dream. Let's say it's a soccer player. Uh, Maybe you're a soccer player here in the United States. Well, your access to be the best soccer player in the world is going to be increased because there's soccer fields that you can go to, there's um, soccer teams that you can practice with. There's um, you know special cleats that make you run faster, right? If you could afford mm-hmm. that. And, but imagine if your gift was soccer and you didn't have access to any of that. Um, so what do you do? Well, like many people who come out of you know, those circumstances, you practice, you get ready for your access, you get laser focused on what it is that you want. Now you have to be able to know what you want first in order to get laser focused. So that's the first part. The first part is have access to a dream. The second is be able to get ready for your dream. And so the access to just being ready for your access. (laughs) And then the last piece is if that access shows up, my advice, if that door opens, kick it wide open and Mm -hmm. run like heck. And um, and those are the three things: is you gotta have access to a dream, you gotta be ready for your dream, and then once you get your dream, it's like go wild with it. And um, so, I spend a lot of time with um, my young mentees and entrepreneurs, so we can figure out what access means to them. It means something different to everyone, and I'm okay with that. I don't need to solve one big problem. I'm okay with one problem at a time. We don't take enough. We don't take enough time to do that,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It can become overwhelming when we put too much on our plate. And so I appreciate you explaining that and sharing your own journey with that as far as what access means to you. And I, I, I didn't really know exactly what you meant by that when you asked me. And so I was like, well, I'm not quite sure I'd have to really sit down. And now that I hear you, I would still need to sit down and really think about that. There's a lot of, um, you know, going into your childhood traumas and the, the inner child healing. And so much of this sounds familiar to that when we sit down and really reflect on the points in our life that made a profound difference and made a difference on how we think and what we view and definitely opening our minds. And so when those times happen in our lives that we had no idea, no idea that this was possible or what that would feel like, and then we're brought into a new awareness and new feelings, that to me is what access sounds like.
2: I love that. Yeah, um, I agree. It's, um, it's a conversation that I was wondering if it would be too ambiguous. Uh, but if you really keep asking, everyone knows what their access point is, and it is a taking stock in who you are, so that you know the right access point for you, not someone else's access. Now we run into that shop a lot. Yeah right? Is like, I want to be the soccer player, but you know, it's like you have, you know, two broken legs or something, right? Is I want that access. And so it's, um, uh, I, I think that it's, uh, it's unique to everyone. So it does require that inner journey, like you're saying. And so, yeah. And so with that like access to a dream, access to what it is that you value That's huge. And that's why we want to have more of those conversations. Because once you get there, once you get there, it's um, then you can get clear on what you're asking of the world, right? So you can't sell anything unless you know what you're asking people to buy. Similarly, it's like you have to know what you're asking for in in order to receive that. And so, um, and so more of those conversations, I think are so important, this convert, it's, it's so important to pay attention to, because let's just say each of us figured out our access point. I'm just making it up.
0: Yeah, um, yeah,
2: let's go there. Just figure, let's just say, each of us figured out our access point, each of us. Are pursuing our complementary truth because we're all different um does that mean then we're shaping the world that we want to see it yeah is
0: yeah if we have understanding of it like you said Mm -hmm. you you have to be clear on what that is and i think just like For instance, when we start understanding our values and when we start writing down our top five values and we have a clear understanding of that, who we innately are and how we show up, but having that clarity really, it just starts propelling. I think the doors do start opening. And I love your concept of, you know, kick that door open grab it and run with it as far as you can go. Don't stop because so many of us hold ourselves back because we're, you know, it's all that, that mental aspect where we hold ourselves back. And yeah, I really like that. Um, one of the biggest things that I have enjoyed during our conversation thus far is you talking about having people write down their stories and share their stories. I am a huge advocate for that. I see it a lot on the show that as you, we share our stories, it is such a healing experience. So I, I know that public speaking, interestingly enough, is one of the most challenging things for people. It's very fearsome for most. Uh, and at the same time, what a healing experience that is to really get that out through that throat chakra. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um,
2: so much trauma can be tied to the throat, right? It's when your voice is threatened, right? It's yeah. like you don't have a voice. And um, and so to the extent that we can allow that opportunity for your voice, and, you know, my new game is amplifying voices, you know? So once you find your voice, let's amplify it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you um, and so I, I think that we're spending a lot more time now on, we're doing healing circles um, online to offer that space to voice your narrative. The other thing is when you hear about someone else's narrative, right? So we're not talking about um, just, you know, people pulling up with their bootstraps. We're talking like PhD students, entrepreneurs, professors, all working in service of community. Um, and, and yet because they're always in service of community, no one is asking really, how are you doing? You know? And so being able to hear each other, be vulnerable, gives permission then to, um, to really release, open up and set a new path. So, um, one of the things we're working towards is creating, like a little anthem of sorts uh as something that folks can walk away with an anthem that's like what are your affirmations after going through your story and realizing what are your triggers what's important to you what are your values all of that so um Really what is your, uh, what are your sort of affirmations that you can fall back on? What are your values that you're going to set intentions around? How to be intentional with each day? And then, um, and the last thing is like just a sort of a guiding statement of purpose to um, to help recommit yourself uh, each day to what it is that you want to achieve in the world. Um, I know I would have loved this kind of, <laughs> Support.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's one of my questions, Danika, is you, I, I love that you're really serving those that are serving because without the people who are, are really wanting to make a difference and it's a very vulnerable, very, uh, it, it's just sometimes when, when people seek out to go do it and start doing it, it, it's a traumatizing event in and of itself for them. Right. So I'm curious, what led you to start serving the servers? So I talked about my
2: systems thinking brain and I do have, and so, you know, all those, all that schooling, (laughs) also all of the working with enterprises, um, I am looking at this sort of as a systemic thing, right? So no one I've, I've met so far has said, I want money. Right. That's a, I don't, you know, so that's hilarious because we often just send donations in the form of money, but nobody's asking for money. Um, Instead, they're asking for investment in their access and um, go back to your question again. I want to get there.
0: Well so the people who go out to to really help others who volunteer and who serve the the people who need it the most and yep. when we go into those environments how challenging it is for for them to be able to maintain a higher elevation a positive attitude when you're engulfed in in the worst of the worst so I come from a law enforcement background and when you're around the worst of the worst, it's, it's, it's a big challenge to try to keep yourself up and higher energy and to keep going every single day. And so that's what I mean. What brought you to the point where you had this understanding or realization? What was the experience for you where it came to the forefront, where you saw it as a need to be able to, to help assist and give support to those who are supporting those those people and environments?
2: Yeah, I think that's such a good question. But um, so the, the systems piece that I was sharing is that, um, that there's a network multiplier. So and that's what I'm going after is what are the things that we're not doing today? So anything we invest in has to be an innovation so it has to be different than that what we're doing today. And and how is it community driven? So one thing I learned, any researcher knows, anyone who does bias, anyone who's who studies like DEI, is that is that you can't go in and um and have like a certain set of of, of expectation, right? Is that listening to the community means that you're not imposing your own bias so Mm -hmm. so the how i got involved with these particular change makers is that their vision for innovation was to include the community in the planning and make sure that they had the downstream impact of whatever it is that whatever project or so forth that they were proposing so um and so for me
0: one yeah, it's empowering those communities to yeah. sustain themselves. And listening to the
2: community and when the community is saying is we're doing this together. And yeah. you know, and so you you hear this conversation all the time, public-private partnerships and you know, this type of thing. In real life and in real time, I am learning the strength and the power of partnership. Yeah, so I'm not investing in the full scale of someone's business until they become, you know, self-sufficient and so forth. But I am partnering the whole way. So with community based organizations who I'm working with to come up with mindfulness programs um, and also doing digital literacy, financial literacy um, project management, um, so those sort of fundamental things that you need to have in order to know how to run a business. Number one, so that's the okay. access, like the getting ready for your access. So I, so I partnered with who's getting these folks ready for their access, and then I come in and mentor and work with the with the change makers who have a project and they're community-driven. And then after that, um, then we partner to help them scale. So I'll do like a pilot, or prototype. We get it ticked and tied. And with my researcher background is like in corporate background, we're reducing all the risk. The idea being is that we can complete this prototype and then we can pass it on so that it can be scaled. And I got a notification this morning that um, that we that our first project got picked up for scale and um and what that means is that we were able to increase the income for about 250 families um, doing our first pilot project in kumuli on a uh, biotech program and um and they got picked up for scale by the university, and they're gonna be able to expand three times. And so oh. the reason they're able to do that is because they have all of their stuff done to position themselves for right. bigger funding. Most funders come in at that point. So who's helping you get to that point? And that's where I jump in at, yeah.
0: Oh, that's incredible, and congratulations. you so thank
2: you so much I was I really I don't know if it was congratulations for me but when I sent when I got that message this morning it wasn't pride it was just joy for that community do you know I'm so happy for them yeah yeah
0: Yeah, it sounds like it changes many lives hundreds of lives it's just the the domino effect right when you have created that much impact. So we're going to go to our first commercial. And when we come back, Danica, we're going to share some of those incredible pictures that you have shared with me on the impact that you are doing. So stay tuned.
4: Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, Would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals. It's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck. But you can help them through the power of hypnosis break through all of that, working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in, to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want. They are thrilled with your coaching techniques. They're getting the results they want. You feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want. It's a win-win. And another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business. So if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want, if you like the sound of that, then definitely reach out Melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more. It's a weekend designation program that I teach, valid in 42 countries. You write an exam after taking the experiential course, and you can be admitted to the American Board of Hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want.
0: So welcome back. And I'm going to bring in a few of the photos that you have shared with me because I'm excited to share them. And, and we'll start here.
2: So that was a gift from my coach, also a test grad, um, because when we were coming up with this life journey and value system path, um, she sent me that sweater. And I took it with me to Uganda when I left corporate end of last year. And I got on a plane in January. I had two meetings set up. And by the time I left Uganda, I had met hundreds of people, found dozens of partners, I met with politicians, I met with business owners, I met with just so many people. And it was just such a testament to the vibration that that if you listen to your path and you um, don't doubt your path, you can just hop on a plane Um, and pursue your path. And so flow getter, I thought was just such a good way to Mm -hmm. represent that transition, because it was very much in flow.
0: I, I just have to go back and say how much I love your description of jumping on a plane and going and, and finding that path and your vision, because I think that a lot of us don't, think that we can do that for whatever reason. And it's just the choice to do that.
2: Oh, it's it's a choice every day to um, hold yourself in, in a container that isn't meant for you. Um, but I get it because I did it for a long time. And I understand the comfort that comes from that and the discomfort that comes from pushing yourself into who you really want to be. I'll say it was not easy. And so if anybody else is experiencing that now where there's plenty of women leaving the workforce and starting their yeah. own businesses today. And so if anyone else is feeling that, I will say um, early on, it is scary, but to keep taking one foot in front of the next. And um, I've never been so happy as I am now. It was worth it. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So tell me about, tell us about this photo. Now, the photos are not, probably not going to be necessarily in any order or the order that they maybe should be, but we'd love for you to share what they mean to you.
2: So this one, this is on the edge of the Nile in Chirindy. And, you know, on, and on the sides of this, you have all this farmland over here, all this farmland. So like the parents are all working. Right. <laughs> and these boys are serenely, you can't hear anything. So everybody's in their flow of life. Um, and all you can hear is just sort of like the wash of these boys kind of playing with their bucket and so forth. Uh, but it was the most serene, most beautiful. And it felt like. um felt like real living. Um, it was so just natural and quiet yes. and in harmony. And so, yeah, I think I even have that on my phone because I just, it always makes me feel so still.
0: That is a beautiful picture. And yeah, it's going back to basics, right? When we have the contrast of living in the fast paced city life, it is definitely something to notate when you come again, into contact with that and knowing that contrast and how different it is to show up like that and to live in that way.
3: Yeah.
2: Now, this is one of my first meetings in Uganda, and I loved the quote, there is no tool for development more effective than the empowerment of women. And, um, and it was actually a young man who was sitting there with me, and these young, he's a, that's Dennis, and he's one of our change makers. We invested in an agro-processing facility for him in his uh, community. But he is, um, he's an advocate for women. Uh, he's an advocate for young girls. And in his business plan, he um, he intends to reduce the number of young women who are prematurely having children or you know, too early having children. Uh, as well as increase the education opportunities and the employment opportunities. So with his plan and his project, he plans to employ over 200 people.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. So, Danika, this brings a question to me that I'm I'm curious. So when we see these people that have these passion products, pro, uh, excuse me, passion projects, and they have these visions, it makes me wonder, what was their past like? So that brings up their access points, possibly, right? So did this person have a very young mother? And how did that affect him? And it just makes me think of that.
2: Yeah, he definitely did. Um, You know, Dennis has a beautiful story. And also, you know, he'll come to tears when he tells it. It's not easy, it's like you don't have enough money to go to school, you have to figure it out yourself, you do odd jobs, what you can. Some people just, they have that in them. Um, And so he pursued education and uh, I think he took out a loan at one point. And so he just, no matter what, and if you, today, if you give Dennis $30, He will figure out how to transform a plot of land and feed a hundred people. He's just that. So his subsistence living, his ability to live on so little has actually made his now business such an extraordinary proposition for him because he learned that on his journey. So not all journeys um, we throw away with the bathwater, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because they can teach us something and give us a muscle. So his muscle is doing a whole lot with a whole little. And he's great at it.
0: Yeah. 100%. And Danica, I would say that what you're doing with giving people uh, sustainable access is you are finding the people who have the, the greatest passions of all because they have gone through some extraordinary difficulties.
2: Yeah. And... Um, just, just because, oh, there's, you know, just because, um, you had difficulties doesn't mean you can't get a shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's Babaluku. Babaluku was the one friend that I had when going there. And now, honestly, that made it a lot easier because he just received the, um, hip hop awards uh, for, um, life achievement for Uganda. So everywhere we went, everybody knew him. (laughs) Uh, He was super famous. And so, uh, and so that was really fun. But what I, why I put this in here is because it was based on a fateful conversation last July where I was on the phone with Baba and, um, He was talking about a community center he was putting together. And I said, you know, I have more than I need. How can I help? And then I said in the same breath, but you know what, Baba? I just send you money for the community center. Then you're probably going to need more money later. And he went, yeah. And so I said, what can we do that's more sustainable than that? And so, um, and so we actually figured out a chicken investment he could get into. Take that money, the money then. So my investment was sitting, still sitting, and then he takes the money from that and it pays for the community center. Now he's charging people to rent a community center, and now they get to do a production facility for all the creatives. And and so now it's like um, it wasn't just a one-time investment. It's that it's a it's it keeps giving and giving and giving. So mm-hmm. that they have, that these creatives have space, they have time to create with one another. They have time to do business planning. They take um, financial literacy, grant writing courses that we sponsor, um, so that they don't have to be starving artists, you know, poets and, and singers and so forth, dancers. So, um, but he was my inspiration, and then in that conversation. Uh, we figured out in a sustainable way. So it's not just giving money. Nobody wants charity. And um, nobody I ever met wants charity. Nobody feels good about charity. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to feel empowered. And so I was like, let's take away that mentality of lack, that there's there's only enough for you to do one thing. Let's open this thing up to a full onslaught of abundance and like dream bigger, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. oh I love that and the community aspect you know really gives you're talking about creatives and when we get together the the more more powerful we're able to envision together and so that really does help bring everyone together How yeah. about this photo
2: We're well, buying land so that was our first land in shirindi so that's so now we have the land there we finished a needs assessment we spent five days with the community so the elder on the left he's he's holding the paper so beautiful um uh it makes me want to tear kind of looking how smart like how are their smiles so you see he's holding the paper and but he's selling the land he's transferring it with grace and with Mm. um and with blessing
3: yeah so
0: the
2: whole community is is blessing behind him what we're going to create and um so it was just this picture to me was just like just a stamp of a vibration that's being started and so yeah
0: i love that i, I mean it's so important when we have so many people blessing it and giving us that energy towards whatever it is that we're doing and it really helps propel it even further so that's an incredible picture I agree who's this guy
4: (laughs)
2: let
0: me get this off so you can see his face
2: yeah so that's Coco so she's my bestie I got her during COVID
0: um and
2: if anybody in the audience knows what she is I rescued her from a a puppy male, and they said she's a labradoodle, but uh, I don't know. I might have to get a DNA test.
0: Anyway, she's my puppy. <laughs> she's beautiful. <laughs> you know, we animals. I mean, I, I would say they they do get credit, but at the same time, maybe they don't. So, you know, they are in tune with us on a totally different level, and they are our support in so many aspects as we're on this journey of life. Indeed. Indeed.
2: This young woman I met at a, um, she was at an orphanage and she grew up there. It's a music and arts orphanage. And um, I wanted to put this photo out there because one of the, um, with the executive director of the school shared with me, she said, you know, you see these, um commercials on, on television with these sad children and they have flies in their face and, you know, they have, um, you know, they have, um, you know, malaria, right? right? And she said, our children are not like that. Our children are happy. They're yeah. thriving. They they go out and they conquer the world because they're able to find themselves and find their love here. And, um, and this young woman was just such a representative I like her like bold melanin statement you know she's very empowered she's just joyful she's bouncy she's playing with all the kids and being a great big sister and uh and she's gonna be doing great she's gonna be doing big things and so um uh, I wanted to put her in here because if we're going to be showing photos it's definitely not of the hard parts. It's the places that we're going. It's the smiles that we get to see as a result of the work that we're doing and the access that we're bringing.
0: Danika, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. I, I agree with you um, that we do have this idea, this picture that, you know, there's so much poverty and awfulness. And gosh, I mean, that that could be years back. But again, Showing the reality of we are making progress, and this is what there is, and there are beautiful and healthy and happy people. All right, this is the creatives, correct? These are the creatives.
2: That's yeah, but, um two Uganda uh, three Ugandans in a house um and then a a canyon and this particular photo what made me realize how uh, how small the world is um, in Uganda. <laughs> because after this, it went viral. The next day, I had only been there for three days. And the next day, uh, we went viral on their uh, Instagram. And we also got a, a commercial, or no, I'm sorry, like a report done on us on TV, like their version of TMZ. <laughs> And so it was, um, but the the question was by seeing just these creatives together was, is there going to be a new rise in hip hop, which that, that um, stoked a question for me was, you know, was there a very strong hip hop culture here once before? And then I came to realize that there's so much innovation, so much innovation that is hidden on the continent of Africa. So much Mm -hmm. brilliance, so much creativity, so much that we have not opened ourselves to. And so I'm so appreciative. This is my techie um, paying homage to technology, which is now the doors are open even more and we get Mm -hmm. to share these voices. And so, you know, I want to... Do more around um, uh, around highlighting and amplifying the voices of the unsung creative heroes, because you know the the music that comes out of Africa. I mean, that's the foundation to all music, and mm-hmm. and music is very healing, like we talked about so much. And so, what are what ways can we ignite more creativity and share that with the world to create that vibration of healing? You know. Ah. I and, love that. Yes, and this was the my black soldier flag crew. This is the uh, biotech program. I got that day. I got to play with maggots, and um, I had to. And I wanted to be cool, so I didn't like show any shock or horror, right? Gosh. <laughs> but it was in me it was in my body uh and because it was very it was very tough to feel those you know the insects on you but it's a really brilliant project and um the woman in the middle was and um her husband is standing next to her she was pregnant two of those two um were training in this program they're ghetto youth um and so they made no money um and under our program, they're now making um, $80 a month and they're training, they're now certified so that they can train others and earn additional. $80 a month from zero means that they can um, have the baby in the hospital, means that they can eat, means that they can have a standard of living. Um, and so it's substantial. And so um, those two were some of the first ones I met there. And, um, and, and like I said, they just wanted an opportunity to just earn and one availed itself. And, it, you know, it's in the most unlikely way, which is through, you know, biotech. But
0: Oh, that's that's really neat. I I love how like I talked about the domino effect of how you are bringing so much joy to people where they're doing what they're passionate about and then ultimately making a profit from that. And that just spreads. Yeah, And this is our last photo of, man, there's a lot of people involved in this. Tell me about it.
2: Oh, and that's just one group. So we had, I think, seven groups like this that day. It was a long day. But we listened to every group and every group. So what um, happens in a lot of developing countries is something called a saving circle. And um, in the saving circle, um, um, you work together on projects, you um, are able to borrow from the savings. If you wanna go start something, Um, uh, you can, um, you can re-contribute to the pile, but it's a way of starting to build community wealth. So they have all these saving circles, they focus on certain projects, um, and work together and and as community does, like you wanna represent and like wear the same colors and come to med- together and feel on the same page. Um, and so each group of these, they would present me with their projects, what they were working on. My favorite was a widow's group. They were working um, on, um, they had a piggery and um, they also were raising goats and, um, and, They were just so amazing because what they did is they were able to uh, electrify their home
4: Mm -hmm.
2: using gas. And what they would do is they would shovel like the cow manure into this gas chamber that they built so that it would then create electricity so that they could have refrigerator and cook. And I was these. I was just so impressed with these women with the innovation, the ingenuity and the willingness to just get it done.
4: So each of these
2: groups would have something different. You'd have like, sewing group, a pottery group, and so forth. And so they'd be pursuing their different business ideas from that perspective. This particular village, we did a needs assessment and we need to actually go back and do some of those fundamental programs like literacy. So, um, but we definitely wanna engage with them, yeah.
0: Oh, that is beautiful. Danika, you have really showed how much impact you really are creating and so we're, we're getting closer to the close, but I had a, a question, something that you put um, during your intake on the show. And it says that you've been studying as a shaman's apprentice to better understand the transition from living to dying, how to honor the ritual of death as sacred and to thereby learn more about what it is to live. Do you mind shedding a little light on that briefly?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, if you've ever experienced death, um, you can't deny that there's something that's thought provoking about it. Maybe you could go as far as to say that there's something beautiful about it, spiritual about it. Um, but we often, you know, have a stigma against it. Um, when working in um, communities where I'm like an ancient, ancient person at my Mm -hmm. age um because most are young people um i think it's very important to i'm getting on the other side of things and just to reflect on what what life means while we have it yeah Um, and um and there's something uh, really profound about working with the dying um is that they have quite a perspective on life. Um, mm-hmm. I myself, my mother died of pancreatic cancer. Um, I actually had that within a one year period, I had about seven deaths and two were, two of my grandparents and one was, wow. one, one was a good friend. And so I got a, like a good wave of how each person journeyed to the end. And in some journeys were like a little more painful and more of a struggle than others. Some were really, really beautiful. And interestingly, the end of life had everything to do with how you build your life. And so what I tell my mentees, what I tell my change makers, what I tell my students, and I'll tell everyone in the world right now, is like every day you have a chance to write your story. What story are you telling? Mm. Don't know what's think about yourself at the end of your life. What story do you want to be able to say at that time? And whatever you're doing that doesn't align with that, stop. Because you're you're purposely putting yourself on the path of, of lack of satisfaction in this lifetime it's really, 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 really short. So, you know, my friend who just passed away this year, um, she told me, Danica, if you're going to, if, you know, if you're putting anything off, do it now, or else I'm going to come back and haunt you. <laughs> and, um, and she, and her point to that was to say that life is short. And so, Um, But she chose to go out with a bang. Everyone chooses how they're writing their story. And like, why wouldn't we choose the best story for ourselves? It's available to all of us. And um, so I guess I would suggest that everybody figure out what is your access? What is your access? You know, (laughs) because then you can kind of figure out what story you're (laughs) going to tell.
0: Danika, you have really given so much insight and for the audience to really reflect on some things, beginning with the end in mind, right? And knowing exactly what that's going to look like through your access points. So thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? Yeah,
2: I'd say if you can if you can name your access point and you know what it did for you, and if there's any access you can give someone else, one of the things I hear constantly without doing anything with by just listening is thank you for seeing me. And just seeing someone can be enough access to change the entire trajectory of their life. So I uh-huh. think you could just dig deep and figure out what is that one thing I could do to give someone access to themselves today, give them access to something that they um, they're ready to receive. I would say, do it.
0: That's a really, really great last point that you're making there. To really serve someone else and give that to them, what a what a blessing. That is for people. So I want to make sure that the audience knows exactly where to find you. And I have it up on the screen. And also it's going to be left in the description below. You can find out more about Dr. Danica at www.sustainableaccessfoundation.org. Again, that's www.sustainableaccessfoundation.org. So that's been... It it truly has been a lovely interview. Thank you so much for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show.
2: Thank you so much, April. You, You definitely are the right person to do this show. You keep a very high vibration and you make it very easy for people to show up and tell their truth. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much. And for the audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye for now, and we'll see you later.